Kate Brandt, who heads up sustainability at Google, said that waste is, is a data problem. Um, and it's a problem that needs to be solved with, with technology. And we couldn't agree with that anymore. So we like to say our mission is to empower organizations to save money in the environment by making resources more discoverable. And then second, uh, making them easily transferable. Hello, and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome to episode 31, and I'm recording this on the 29th of June 2020. In this episode, we hear about Reaply, a company based in the United States. Reaply helps organisations share physical assets and other resources, either within or outside the organisation. Reaply works across a number of sectors, from biopharma to retail, helping clients get more use out of idle assets, including equipment, materials and chemicals. They can choose to donate or to sell those unused assets. We hear about Reaply's core technology, its Asset Exchange Manager, and how this allows people to highlight those unused assets. We hear about the focus on zero waste in the United States, and how Reaply uses gamification to help people become zero-waste heroes in their organisation. We also find out why assets that still have value get discarded, and why looking at your internal operations first can pay dividends for resource efficiency and sustainability. Today I'm talking to Tom Fekarotta. Tom is Vice President External Affairs at Reaply in the United States. Reaply's mission is to make the world's resources more discoverable and transferable through technology. Reaply combines enterprise asset management with a virtual marketplace, which allows organisations to track inventory and depreciation. It helps people to visualise, quantify and use surplus assets and to offload end-of-life unwanted assets to organisations that need them. Before joining Reaply, Tom worked for over 10 years as a digital and content marketer for various life science and clean technology companies. Tom's fascinated by the impact of technology on the future of human health and sustainability. At Reaply, Tom is using his agency roots and content marketing background to drive awareness, engagement and adoption of the platform. Tom, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast. Well, great to talk to you today out in uh, the greater Chicago area. And first of all, I'm curious to know more about what Reaply does. Can you talk us through the kinds of organizations using Reaply and the types of equipment, materials and other stuff they're exchanging? Absolutely. So, so Reaply is a technology company. Uh, we're based out of Chicago, Illinois, and our platform allows users to share physical assets and resources within and between organizations. 
And these organizations could be uh, uh, government, NGO. Uh, we actually started in higher education, enterprise, retail, really any organization where there is a significant R&D budget and significant assets and inventory. Um, we like to say that we've built the technology needed to scale the circular economy, uh, which I know is a somewhat of a lofty uh, proposition, but you really hear in circular conversations today, a lot about designing out waste in production, this idea of creating sustainable and more resilient products, products as a service is another recent use case for the circular economy where you you have manufacturers retaining control over products to avoid downstream waste. All of these efforts are sort of this design thinking approach to the circular economy. What is often missing from the headlines in the conversation and where we come in is this notion of internal waste reduction and how to connect everyone in the circular economy together through technology. Um, so we like to say our mission is to empower organizations to save money in the environment by making resources more discoverable. And then second, uh, making them easily transferable. And to give you a little sense of how this works. So our core technology is called an asset exchange manager or AXM. And it increases the likelihood of resource sharing both within and between organizations. So we often see university to university transactions, or maybe a business to a university or a university to a nonprofit. So what we're doing here is we're increasing the demand through connected marketplaces. And the value we're creating is through this reduction in double buying scenarios in the workplace, right? We, do we have this item already? Mm. So we're controlling the material flows by building transparency and ease of use into, rest, uh, into resource management. And we're making operations teams more efficient, really you know, how to make the best use of idle materials by connecting them to people who are permitted to use them, first of all, mm -hmm. and then second, to just connecting them to people who need them the most. So it sounds as though some of the biggest opportunities are within the same organization where one team of people have no idea that there's a piece of equipment or some um, materials or chemicals or whatever lying unused. Is that what you're saying? So, so yeah, you're absolutely right, Catherine. With businesses, government, higher education, retail, biopharma, a lot of the, the companies that we're working with today that you would find on the platform, they're now coming up with zero waste to landfill strategies they're starting to feel, at least from a bottom line perspective, their contribution to material waste. The steel, plastics, electronics, all of the sort of the byproducts um, entering the landfill that they own, they're really starting to, to, to feel that, that waste um, from, a, from, a, uh, from, from a bottom line perspective. And this is really timely because moving to 100% renewable energy just solves half of the, the climate crisis and it's the harder half. We like to think at Reapley, we're trying to solve the, the problem of material waste with circular technology. And organizations on Reapley are getting the highest asset value return of a surplus item really before it ever goes to landfill. Mm. Um, we want to empower our users with guidance around, okay, what is the most impactful path for reuse? 
in the majority of cases, that might be recirculating resources within nearby departments, right? Teams, buildings uh, on, on, on a campus or, or within a, a, or a nearby warehouse um, where you can sort of avoid the shipping and temporary storage. Uh, in other cases, the best or the most impactful path of reuse might be selling or donating it to a preferred uh, vendor or donation center within the, the city or the, um, the location that your business operates in, mm. operates in. So on Replay, you can kind of accomplish both. There's this, this timed release of resources where you have a, a 15 or uh, sometimes a 30-day window in which stakeholders uh, in predetermined teams can make an offer on resources. And, and so that's really a, a big value creation there. Mm. And at what stage do organizations start to put their assets, equipment, resources onto the Replay platform? Do you do it as soon as you've bought it or are companies waiting to realize that they're no longer using that, that particular bit of kit? We, honestly, we, we've seen both use cases. Uh, I would say the majority of the use cases are more of the latter. Um, we're working with, we're, with surplus teams that have identified either uninventoried assets or assets in storage that are just going underutilized and they make it onto our platform. And, and then specific teams or business units uh, have the, the opportunity to reuse those resources. And then from a sort of a waste diversion and tracking perspective, our platform kind of gives you insights into, okay, what are, what are the classes of assets that are being reused the most? Where can we make systemic improvements on other resources? Um, and it's kind of all done in this easy to use uh, user interface. Mm. And are you able to help companies and other organizations, universities and so on, benchmark against similar? organization so if your best in class university had a reuse rate for chemicals of this and lab equipment of that are you able to kind of give people a picture of where they should be aiming to i will say that we can give them a picture of that information from an intramural or from an internal perspective but we haven't done it in the sense of hey we're going to um we're going to uh, uh share the, the, the metrics of one organization against another. Um, we don't want to pit organizations against each other. We want to, mm. we want to make sure that they understand um, how they're improving waste diversion efforts across um, campuses, across business units, um, and how they can make, you know, market improvements. Mm. And I, th I thought it was interesting that you talked about the zero waste strategy, because from what I understand, that's that's quite an American focus. Um, companies really starting to look at, well, what are we discarding? What are we sitting on that are unused assets, consumables and so on, and really start to get to grips with that? Whereas I think in Europe, companies are perhaps looking more at how, you know, how can we keep things for longer or how can we circulate things? Uh, you know, how can we design things for circulation? But I think it's an interesting perspective when you start to measure what's going out of the door and, and how can we do something about it. And I remember yeah. um, a good uh, sort of motto. I can't remember who this was now. Somebody, somebody in the sort of circular economy leading thinkers that zero is a very motivating target. It shouldn't be to kind of, you know, reduce 
90% of the waste at the moment, it should be to get to zero waste because that's very definitive. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think uh, um, I, we have a, a personal connection of ours that, that call, calls it zero waste heroes because it is a, this heroic effort. We, we built the technology to connect people to each other, to things, but also to value. Mm. And instead of letting items depreciate in value from, from storage or go to the landfill, we've made it possible for users to continue getting value out of items for things that, that they don't want anymore, right? And get rewarded for it. Our technology actually uses um, uh, gamification and a monthly reward system to, to give people the actual incentive to share and reuse. Right. So I, I, th I think you're right, like in terms of this greater purpose, if you wanna call it that, we, we feel like technology can own this responsibility to rebuild our economy from a linear one to a circular one. Mm. Um, at, at Google, uh, there was a, at, this was at Circularity in um, 2019, and I, I believe it was in uh, Minnesota the first year. Um, I wasn't there, but uh, I was watching it live, and Kate Brandt, who heads up sustainability at Google, said that waste is, is a data problem. Um, and it's a problem that needs to be solved with, with technology. And we couldn't agree with that anymore. Um, if you look at the UN's 17 SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, they, they really act as a rubric for the future. And they pre present us with this sort of the shared common goal towards, towards a zero, zero waste future. Um, but you can kind of say that our our technology sort of sits at the middle of all of the circular focused SDG uh, targets, right? I, I think Reaply kind of fits more in line with SDG 12, which is more about ensuring um, sustainable consumption and, and production patterns. But what we're really trying to accomplish is this way of achieving these goals through interconnectedness and, and connecting people to each other and to critical uh, resource information. Mm. That's interesting. And in terms of connecting people to each other, I guess if I'm thinking about one organisation and connecting departments, they are more likely to share a common language in terms of the categories of equipment and yeah. assets and consumables when it comes to between organisations and perhaps even jumping from one sector to another, the terminology, the data categories could be completely different. How do you overcome that? Yeah, we, we have a, a sort of a categorical shift organization to organization. So the beauty of Reaply is you can configure it to your organization. Uh, so, you know, how Reaply looks to uh, an institution will look different than how it looks to a manufacturer. Um, same thing with biopharma, right? They might want thousands of antibodies. And so we'll have to, to measure the, um, the rate of exchange by, by volume in some cases. So we've built this system. It's a pro progressive web application that, not to get super technical, um, that allows for this sort of configuration changes so that really any, any two, two organizations can connect via a shared category interest. Mm, okay. So Reaply sits in the middle with a with a standardized set of categories and each of the users can tweak Opt the in. terminology 
according to, uh, to what they exactly what they call it. That's great. And just coming back to the gamification, that sounds interesting. The rewards mm. to help encourage people, because what I was thinking ahead of the podcast was a lot of this is about changing habits, isn't it? People have been used to not having to worry about assets that aren't being used anymore or little bits of, of chemicals or reagents that are left and they move on to the next project and it's you know it's it's hard to keep track of that so what kind right. of um rewards are you able to to offer and what kind of um uh, games do you get people involved in to kind of bring it to sure sure we 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 have a uh, we have a lot of leeway when it comes to private organizations right we can we can get creative with uh, with gifts and and uh, the actual reward itself, as opposed to a, a state-run institution in, in the United States that is uh, restricted when it comes to to giveaways. But um, you know, this could be we have a leaderboard game. So if you're in the top, you know, ten, you you are automatically entered into this lottery system um, that will um, spit out the, the winner at the end of the month. We also have a um, a series of what we call kind of themed giveaways. So once or twice, or maybe three times a year, we'll have a themed giveaway for plastics, right? If you post X amount of plastics for, for the month of July, um, uh, which is, is linked to uh, plastic free, plastic free July, um, you get X amount of points. If you post during campus sustainability month, we work with a ton of higher education, um, uh, clients, you get X amount more points. So, so we're trying to make it fun, uh, trying to think uh, about these different classes of, of resources and how we can uh, gamify each one. That sounds great. So you really can be a zero waste hero then. You know, by, we hope by, so. by coming top of the top of the um, of the prize stakes and so on. That, that's right. That's right. And in terms of starting up Reaply, um, what kind of struggles have you faced or what surprised you in the journey so far? Yeah, I'll start with the surprises because there were many. <laughs> I think uh, getting started when this idea took root, I, I actually wasn't in the picture. Um, I joined a little bit later, but when we, when we started the, the company in an academic lab setting, uh, we conducted research uh, and really were surprised to find out that there were a lot of reuse efforts already underway. Uh, in, in higher education and particularly in research. It was just done in a very inefficient manner. Uh, for instance, you, you often see departmental listservs and donation forms for unwanted items, uh, sort of these like passive classified ads. And they were all kind of um, attempting to speak to each other. And the intentions were really good, but there was this incredibly you know, high propensity for waste. People were throwing out perfectly usable, uh, un unopened boxes of lab consumables and furniture and, and, and even equipment in, in some cases. Um, and if nothing, this is what was really interesting, if nothing was claimed within the nearest building because they had no one, no really nowhere else to turn, people would just naturally uh, throw it out or put it into storage because there's a lot of space constraints within these labs. Um, so this is what this is what was happening, and and it was really unfortunate because it was happening at a time when the U.S. government budget cuts for research were at an all-time high, and simultaneously 
the cost for conducting research with new equipment was at an all time high. So this very thought of, you know, throwing out reusable research, uh, research materials was just kind of a complete travesty. So you have this resource gap issue going on, but you also have these closed off um, and disparate reuse and resource management systems on campus. And we felt like there was an immediate opportunity to make this process better. Um, I'd say that the, the struggle or the second surprise, we began to understand that this problem is linked to a trillion dollar circular economic movement. And it kind of gave way to a struggle to understand how our technology, which was meticulously built for a lab setting, could be redesigned for other industries. What, what would this look like for the fashion industry? Who would, you know, they were experiencing a similar issue with textiles and waste and how could it be redesigned for other industries? Um, enterprise and NGOs, uh, the built environment. Many of these organizations were now committing to their own systemic transition to circular approaches and pledging carbon neutrality over the next decade. So that became a way for us to start thinking about, okay, how do we apply this to situations outside of campuses? Mm. I think going back to the, um, the space problems and the logistics issues, that's as we're seeing at the moment for the oil price, you know, why has the oil price gone negative? because it's so expensive to store it on a on a tanker um, and if you've not got anywhere to store it and you and you're having to pay through the nose for it to sit on a tanker I think I read it was um, something like two hundred thousand dollars a day oh, yeah. for oh, an yeah. oil tanker so suddenly you can't you know you, you're paying somebody to take take a valuable asset away and I've heard stories um, when I was at, um, at DHL um, you know stories of, of hospitals where a new x-ray machine was coming in but nobody thought about what to do with the old one which was still right. functioning it's just that you know it had come to the end of its um allotted life um and you know where's it going to go and suddenly it's either you know put away somewhere if you've got storage and forgotten about or even worse it's given away in a kind of fire sale because suddenly it's a it's a it's an expensive problem to have to sit on and this whole business of flagging things that are likely to become available well ahead of time and starting to get those marketed out to organizations that can make use of them. I think that's one of the keys as well as this common categorization and, and finding a common language. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I love that you brought up this, this idea of time, uh, this, this time delay that, that we're so interested in because that is a huge part of this. We want, we want to get in front of these resources. And I think for a circular approach to be successful, people have to be, you have to be framing the issue less on sustainability and more on the economics, right? Yeah. It's, it's, in, it's in the name. People have to be saving money and making money. Mm. And when materials are shared and consistently in use, the value of those resources it's just they're just less likely to uh, deteriorate right mm, yeah i think there are there are two things from the well one from the circular economy one from uh, six sigma i think six sigma's got the eight eight forms of waste so mm. something underutilized is one of those coming back to the circular economy i've now now forgotten what i was going to say oh yeah when you start to design a system you should be thinking about the end of use for that system. So if you're designing a product, 
how's it when, when it's finished the end of its useful life what happens to it then are you designing it for disassembly so in the same way as you're designing a research project you should be thinking about everything you need for that and what's going to happen to it afterwards and start to plan for it at that stage don't plan for it once the project's finished it may be that you decide to lease something instead of buy it it may be that you decide to collaborate with another organization um, and share things between you there's so many different ways that you can get more value and more productivity out of every bit of of uh, equipment and resources yeah absolutely you're absolutely right um i i think for us it's it's the accessibility to real-time asset disposition information mm-hmm. for, for people. What are we doing uh, when, re- and when items are no longer needed? Is everyone following this sort of same set of guidelines? Because there are a ton. And so we built the, the system to have this sort of permissioned uh, exchange, if you want to call it there, to really start to piece together a way to reuse um, um, items sort of more holistically uh, within organizations. Mm. Brilliant. And Tom, what would your top tip be for another organization looking at how they can do something meaningful for the circular economy? Yeah, top tip. I, I think in terms of a top tip for circular businesses, I, I think honestly, getting started with a circular idea is easier than you think. If you're a large, if you're a large organization, think about your internal operations first, and then you'll start to open your mind to what's possible for your supply chain. What's a quick way to have a 10% higher waste diversion rate? How can you shore up resource inefficiencies? I think for all sized organizations, not just large organizations, think about your upstream and downstream systems. Are you connected to your recycling infrastructure? Do you know where your stuff is going when it's no longer wanted? Do you understand, I think this part is key, all the players locally in terms of the demand for scrap and secondhand items. Um, remanufacturing is something that's really interesting. How do we connect uh, remanufacturers to this, to this ecosystem uh, for, for, for reuse and, and uh, circular sharing? What is the demand for unwanted plastics? So I think those are questions that you can ask and, and you can really start to piece together, you know, effective monitoring, if you want to call it that, uh, in a more uh, holistic fashion. Yeah. And I think you're right with the quote from Google that, um, you know, waste is a data problem. And that's the key to it, isn't it? And now we've got a better opportunity than we've ever, ever had before in human history of using data and using machine learning and AI and so on to better understand what the potential flows are and connect I have with I need. You're absolutely right. Organizations, uh, one of our, um, our chief of staff actually mentioned this to me the other day. He mentioned that organizations really function a lot like people do. Uh, when you rethink one aspect of, of your life, you start to rethink your other actions, right? And I think for organizations, that means it needs to spread. We need to spread this thinking to other parts of your operations. Organizations are made up of people and people are, hard, are they're really how we're going to impact the world. Um, so I think that's something that we're, we're trying to empower with our, with our users as well. Mm. So yeah, look for the zero waste heroes in, in your operation <laughs> yeah. and start with them. 
So, Tom, how can people find out more about you and about Reaply? Yeah, uh, so we're, we're pretty active on social media. You can follow us on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. We also have um, a website, uh, www.reaply.com. And you can email us at uh, info at reaply.com if you want to get in touch via email. And right. we're always pretty available. So, Great, thank you. And we'll put those links in the show notes. And perhaps for those who haven't got to, um, who are trying to imagine what, what um how how to spell reaply we should we should spell it so it's r-h-e-a-p-l-y dot com is that right that's right thank you for saying that yes you got you got it right yeah because i guess there's sitting there listening you could be thinking oh well several different ways of spelling this (laughs) different ways of spelling it and different ways of saying it right we often get reapply if you change the syllables around it kind of has that that dual uh meaning right yeah Good stuff. Well, thank you, Tom, for sharing all those insights with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was a pleasure. What struck me is how Reaply is using its platform to solve the problem of wasted resources and equipment in several ways. Firstly, by using common categories to solve the problem of non-standard terminology. Each organisation, and maybe even different teams in the same organisation, may use its own bespoke terminology. Reaply's standardised structure can sit in the background without requiring change in how the organisation categorises its procurement and asset management elements. Secondly, Reaply uses psychology to make it fun, help motivate people and reward them for making an impact. Using gamification, promotions and the concept of being a zero-waste hero all help encourage people to try these new ways of working and make the extra effort to change their existing habits. The third aspect is encouraging organisations to plan ahead and think about the use cycle of each resource. When are you likely to have finished using this? And can you list it on Reaply well ahead of that date? That gives you more time to find the right next user and means you're more likely to recover value from it. Doing that helps you avoid a fire sale where you might even have to pay someone to take something away from your site because you don't have anywhere to store it. It also reduces the risk of spoilage or damage through ageing or being moved around too much. In other words, by starting to think about the next use cycle at the first point of purchase, you're both improving circularity and reducing costs for your organisation. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can find the podcast show notes with transcripts and links on rethinkglobal.info. Please let us know what you'd like us to feature on the podcast. And you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. You can get in touch via our website, rethinkglobal.info, or connect with me on LinkedIn. See you next time. <laughs>